City have another chance. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. This is Gavin. I'm here with Daniel and Adam. Daniel, how are you doing tonight? Doing okay. And you? Oh, came in hot there, Daniel. Um, I think you're a little either too close to your mic or your mic's too loud. So just go. Oh, really? I haven't. That's funny because I haven't moved since I was speaking before. That game there, you got a little better, but yeah, you came in real, real loud. Oh, I'm um, okay now. Yeah, that's better. Um, I'll first, sit still. <laughs> yeah, sit still. Over I there. love that all uh, of this is going to go into the podcast. Oh, most definitely. Adam, how are you doing, my friend? All right, it's good to be back talking with you guys. Um, a little mad, you know, a little mad, and we'll get to we'll get to that later, but. You know, I've had I've had a day to, to think about it, and the Cowboys won last night, so that that helped a little bit. Yeah, I saw that was a pretty good win for you guys. Um, that but game understandably, was so dumb, and I angry. loved every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about uh, Cowboys Vikings, not the Orlando City game. No, not no, with yeah. every second of that one. Oh, to be a Cowboys fan. All right, well, it's good to have you back on. It's been a while since we've talked to you. Um, so it's, yeah, good to have you back on. We are going to save the elephant in the room talk to the end of the podcast. Um, uh, We feel like it would be better to leave that section at the end so it doesn't contaminate and bleed through into everything else. And then we go Hmm. back to it. So we're going to try and stick away from that. And we do have some interesting, you know, conversations to be had around the team over the last couple of games. Uh, Obviously, we haven't recorded since I believe the Montreal draw, where um, we were good in the first half. Uh, Montreal really came down our our left flank and really got got through us there at the start of the half and scored off the corner. Uh, Deserved goal for them. And the game after that was obviously the New England 2-2 draw. Uh, Adam, I believe you didn't see that game, so Daniel, I will go over to you and ask just your overall opinions on the new England game. Um, obviously being two nil up and then getting pegged back to two. And I, the storylines there was maybe the substitution. So what were your thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, they shot themselves in the foot because for 70 minutes, they looked uh, really comfortable. I mean, it was new England's second string, you know, which is a, you know, a factor that, can be overlooked, but at the end of the day, they they had control of the game, and then I'm not sure what happened. Like the team rhythm and the chemistry just kind of went out of the window, and um, you know you only have to give you know a team like New England and the DPs a little bit of time, which is what they did, and they got back in the game, and it was a it was a really nice finish, to be honest with you. Um, you know, impeccably executed. Um, goal, you know, sprung the offside trap and just poked it in and, and, you know, the minute they let that happen, it's just kind of like they crumbled, which we've seen a lot, especially at the home games this season. Um, so it's disappointing because, you know, we'll, we will address all of this uh, later on, but you look at two points dropped, um, there's never going to be a better time to play New England when they've changed nine players out. And you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's gifting you a win, but it's giving you a golden opportunity there to, to nail your position in the playoffs. And they shot themselves in the foot. 
Yeah, and Adam, I was at the game, and we were 2-0 up. I, I, and I did get to see the second half. I got I got home from work basically at halftime. Okay, okay, so that's perfect, because that's kind of where I was going to lead you with. I was going to kind of explain everything and get your thoughts on it. Um, I was pretty annoyed with our right side, Juan and Urso in particular. Um, as oh you saw then, we were... And in the, in, yes, and Akindele, Um and that's kind of down to the substitutions, but... Um, Juan and Urso particularly, when we were still, you know, in the game, we were 2-0 up, maybe around the 60th minute mark, um, 60 to 70, uh, just were not really running at all. And we were still, you know, in the game, we were having chances on the counter, yada, yada, but they were starting to get a little lazy. And then they, New England really came down our that side at, with uh, Dewan Jones. And really overloaded us, and I'm sure you saw the clip I put on Twitter of Urso just walking when they scored the the winner. Um, where where do you place where do you place the balance of the blame? Do you place that more on the players? You know, Urso's played a lot of minutes. Juan, since coming back from injury, has been in every single game uh, nonstop. And then and then obviously you need to factor in Oscar Pereja. Um, not subbing them out, instead subbing Mendez, who oh, maybe he that, has that a knock. Is on Bray, huh? Yeah, I, I so, would say eighty. So where do you balance that? Yeah, obviously the players have to do the job on the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. The coach's job is to make it possible. <laughs> and man, when you okay, Urso, I love Junior Urso, one of my favorite players on the team. I literally have his jersey on my wall, like not just an Urso jersey. I bought a game-worn Urso jersey on the wall. I love him. He's fucking tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I don't blame him. And he's played pretty much every minute this season that he's been available to play. And, you know, he's not a spring chicken. It's going to get to him, and it's Pereja's job to see when Urso can't run anymore to take him off the pitch and give him half an hour of rest. You know, we have 8 million midfielders, like... Andres Prey is a like for like there. You can sub. You can make that sub. Leave Sebas on, who is having a good defensive game. And I'm not sure why you take Sebas off there, especially with uh, New England's DPs coming on. Very dangerous midfield players <laughs> who you should have your best defensive midfielder kind of matching up with them to try and make sure they don't do something like score two goals in 20 minutes. <laughs> Wild that, then, right? Uh, what position does Tesho Akindeli play? He is a striker or a striker forward, inside something like winger. that. Does yeah. he play wing back? He does not play wing back. Never he seen doesn't. him do it. Oh, I have. I saw him do it at the end of the New England game. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I mean, didn't look I great. They're out of position. I don't know what. And and of course, he gave every every attacker that he was defending as wing back way too much space and of course new england has deadly attackers and and of course one of those was he gave someone way too much space they put in a beautiful cross easiest pie goal mm-hmm. i mean it, it was all, all, the, all the the perfect storm of bad decisions and you know and and it putting on offensive players like benji michelle i mean chris Mueller did need to come off but why does benji michelle need to come on up two goals like, well, like, I don't get that. Put on Kyle yeah. Smith. Yeah. I, I, Ta- yeah. 
and take off take off like take off DK and put Tesho in there so Tesho can do compress compress at the forward spot rather than having three forwards on and trying to park the bus. Yeah. So at I the do time, I understand if you're going to shut it down, why you have three forwards on the pitch? No, yeah, it it does not make sense. At the time, I I understood the Benji Michelle thing because the sub because we were we were hitting them on the break pretty regularly. We were getting transition opportunities. Benji Michelle thrives in that those areas. You know, he's got that speed to push him back um, and, and make them kind of respect us a little bit. But after that, the subs were just wrong every single time. Um, at three forwards on the pitch to end the game yeah. just did not make sense to me. At, Very at, frustrating result. And if you are going to have three forwards on the pitch to end the game, you can't park the bus. You need to be trying to go at them and keep them on their heels and make it so they have to play a little bit of defense so they can't just be peppering you with constant attacks. And yeah, you probably give up one goal, but probably not two. So you well, need you- to... You need you th- to adapt your strategy to who you have on the pitch. You can't just say, we're going to park the bus. doesn't matter that we have three forwards on the pitch who aren't, and one of them is going to play wing back. You know, it, it doesn't make any lick of sense there. And if anybody's going to play wing back, it should have been Benji, but then he had to go mark yeah. Tejon Buchanan. Um, do you think, the, Daniel, maybe you can weigh in on this. Do you think the idea might have been to hopefully stop the supply so instead of getting more defenders into the the box and into the the midfield maybe get the forwards on to to hopefully press them up there so they don't get to us like maybe that was it i I don't know what the thinking was because i'm i'm one who likes to understand like maybe if it doesn't work out yeah that sucks but i want to understand why you would do it but this just does this just this tactic didn't make sense to me in terms of the substitutes on this particular game. I think Oscar's just like many coaches. He, he overthinks things, you know, and, you know, I don't get, we, we have a, a substitutes bench there that, you know, can adequately plug gaps and, and change the, the strategy on the fly. I don't, I don't get the three forwards. I still haven't figured out why. And, this whole triple substitution in the 90th minute thing that we're starting to see. I'm like, what the hell's going on with that? Like, you can't bring players in that are called into a game that's as frantic as that New England game ended up finishing, like, and, and expect them to just adjust on the fly. Like, it, it doesn't work like that. You might as well just leave who you have on and just tell them to bunker, you know? Because at least they're tuned in. It, I don't know. Like, I feel like Oscar just overthinks it all. And I can't, I can't think of the strategy. Gavin, to be honest, because I just don't know. I'm I'm bemused by it. Yeah, the the only thing I can think of is, is I mean, just you, possibly trying to you, press, but then we didn't press. We just sat back, and that's maybe that's New they didn't press. They didn't press, and they didn't move. That like none of the lines were like in sync with each other, which is what you expect when you get so many changes, especially in the last ten or fifteen minutes of a game. So you have this uh, lack of cohesion when it comes to the press. And you know how important it is to be cohesive in the press. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you've got a player like Teshwak in Delhi who who doesn't need any more grief. But, you know, you've kind of been hung out to dry by sticking him out in the the right wing-back position and asking him to to man-mark whoever it was that was coming forward. Um, you, You just can't do it. Like, it's not really his fault. So... I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's uh, it's, you know, it's two points left on the board, and 
and it's a result that you know when you look back on the the season as a whole, you're going to look back at this game and, and a few of the others, the Montreal one, and, and you're going to think, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't have changed it as much as we did. Yep. All right, let's move over to the next game real quickly. Columbus lost three to two on the road. Uh, we lose to a Zellerayon absolute wonder goal. Um, it's amazing that the scoreline ended three two because we really looked poor in attack. Uh, Adam, what was your take on this game overall? Uh, this is the game I was working during the whole time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then um, I guess I'll give my take on it. Then, um, Daniel, I don't know if you saw it, but the, the, the one thing that frustrated me about this game is that we were definitely in it, definitely in it, 100%. Mm-hmm. It was two very even game, and we just had some mental lapses of very simple things that professional soccer players should be able to do. I'm talking about Kyle Smith on the clearance, and that a little bit has to do with how little he's played. Um, I promise you that has a factor in it. I don't know how big, but his game sharpness has got to be non-existent at the moment because he's barely played. He played all his soccer at the beginning of the season, and he was in really good form. Then I remember he had one bad game off the bench against Atlanta. Uh, he had a really bad 1v1 defensive situation there. I think it was the third goal against us. And we hadn't seen him really at all. Maybe a 90th minute sub here or there since. And then he starts this game at left back. Um, and the, the the corner comes in. He goes to clear it. Whiffs the clearance. Absolutely whiffs it. Uh, when you're in that situation, your defender's taught high and wide. Get the ball as high in the air as possible because the longer air time the ball has, that gives the defense more time to set up. So you kick that ball in the air for three seconds, that gives the, your defenders three seconds to set up. Instead, he passes it straight to Zellerion, um, who gets an immediate cross out to Robin Janssen's van. No time to set up. He gets dunked on. We're down 1-0. Then they get another corner. Again, very even game. This is a standard corner. I wouldn't say they're in the... In the dominating stages of the game, Pedro Galese gets it all wrong. All wrong. Again, standard goalkeeping. Misses the ball completely. Etienne beats, I think it might have been Mendez at the back post. 2-0 down in a game where we really cannot afford to drop any points here. Going at the break 2-0, and I'm sitting there like, I mean, we, we have not even been that bad like this this looks like they're dominating us but at the end of the day it's just been two individual mistakes the rest of the game's been very even they actually didn't start dominating the game until they went two nil up that's when they started having their best chances and then we come out in the second half and we take off mendez at halftime um, i'm sure you'll love that adam i don't know if you noticed that mendez and nani out at halftime maybe that's uh oscar Perea saying he thinks that game is lost so he's trying to get his best players some some rest uh that could be it there um this late into the season i don't know if that's the smart thing to do because we get a goal dk gets a penalty after missing the first one but luckily eloy room stepped forward uh too early to save it and then obviously <sighs> I've seen some people like frustrated with the Zellerion goal um, that he needed to be closed down. I promise you, most coaches out there are going to say, give him that space. If he wants to take a shot from there, we'll take it. Because that does not go in 99% of the time. I'm sure that was like a 0.02 XG or something like that, 
uh, it's just a wonder strike. And sometimes that happens in, in football. So it just everything was going against us in terms of individual performance. And just one thing that I'll say about the game in, in total is our attack looked really, really poor. So maybe not on this game in particular, Adam. Uh, we got one goal at the end of the game. Janssen uh, got a was running off, was basically just kept running, kept running. The ball finds its way to Akindele, and he chipped it over, and then Janssen scored um, after a, a, a back post run. Uh, it wasn't like a corner or anything. But our attack has been pretty poor, Adam. So just kind of touch on, on why you think our attack overall this season has had its struggles rather than in this game. Fuck if I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, the talent's there, right? It, like, you wouldn't say any of Nani, DK, Benji, Michelle, Chris Mueller, Sylvester Vandewater, Risa Pereira. You wouldn't say any of those guys are bad players, right? No. But it might no. be the the wrong collection of player types. It might be. Yeah, but then, then again, you're never going to have the same guy over and over per- perfect chemistry. Like, that doesn't happen. You know, that the only time that's ever happened was, like, Pep's Man City team a couple years ago, um, and, and which is obviously my idea of, like, perfect soccer because I reference it so much. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's that we've had, like, kind of weird spells of injuries and players not playing together and – Vanderwater didn't really get much run until midseason. Pato, who we thought might have been able to play a part and have you know some of that world class talent come in and, and play a part, never happened. And I think it's very funny that Pato, the the sixty minutes he played in the first game were very good. He he created a lot of chances, looked dangerous, and then he comes in. In his first action of of the end of the Nashville game, which we will talk about in depth, was creating a brilliant, legendary scoring chance. I just think that's it's maybe I would definitely retain Pato for next season. Just see, just see if he's still got something because it shows that he's got the talent. There's no indication to me that he can't be helpful to us as of yet. Obviously, he needs to be on the pitch. But if he can be on the pitch, I see nothing that tells me he can't be helpful. Nothing that tell me uh, I we still will probably make playoffs. I don't know that he can't be helpful in this playoff run. I don't know. I don't know that he shouldn't start against Montreal to, to try to get him some chemistry and some run and get some form because you know, obviously it's something isn't clicking there. DK, I think, is the only one that we can say has played really well individually kind of throughout the season. He's had a few struggles, and I, but I think more of his struggles has been strikers need service, and the service hasn't always been there. But when he's gotten his chances, I think he's been pretty good, and he's stepped up and taken that penalty role too, and I really appreciate that. Um, Nani's fading towards the end of the season like he has. I think he's gotten a little too tired because he doesn't take, take breaks. Um, prayer has been hot and cold. Uh, maybe he's starting to show a little bit of age. Maybe he's just getting tired of MLS or something. And, um, I don't know. Mueller, obviously last, last year from Mueller was a fluke. Uh, Benji's still not a winger, no matter how much Preha wants him to be. Yeah. So I think maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, it's not clicking. The guys aren't necessarily playing the best and Akindeli's just a guy. 
He's a good squad to have, but he doesn't really add much to your attack. Um, so maybe it is just not the right collection of players and play styles meshing together. And the, and so the sum of your attack is not going to be greater, or the whole of your attack is not going to be greater than the sum of its parts, which is really what you need to have a great team. Like New England, great players that play very well together, and so they have an insane attack. But you don't pick, uh, other than Hill, you don't pick out any of their guys but like, oh, he's the guy that's going to kill me, you know? Maybe because it's Tomo Bo, but that's it. Maybe, but like there are other there are other players in MLS of that of that quality, and they're not doing the same things. Yeah, uh, Daniel. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just saying. I think I think what you said maybe was correct that the chemistry isn't there. It's not the right collection of players, and and uh, Preha. I'm not suggesting Preha needs to go. That would be asinine. But maybe this year didn't get it right. And he didn't adapt well enough to what he had in front of him. Yeah, um, Daniel. Before I give my thoughts, I'll let you give your thoughts on on the attacking woes this this uh, last 10, 15 games of the season. Mm-hmm. I think it it comes down. I think Adam summed it up really well. So did you? I think the only thing I'd like to add is that there's just too many question marks in those positions, and maybe too many experiments. You know, like you say, Michelle out wide, Mueller is he a does he play as a 10? Is he a winger? Is he quick enough to play out wide? Probably not. Is he smart enough to play as a 10? Not really. Can he play as a striker? Not consistent enough. Um, we have we have so many players that are like, um, you know, just not playing to, this, to like a bona fide standard for the position they need, you know? And, you know, we talk about having depth and such, and, and a lot of those players are decent impact players. You know, like to bring into a game and, and to tweak something. But if you're looking at a starting eleven, you need like a good established player. And we need to look at younger talent as well. You know, like with the greatest respect to, to Nani and Mauricio, I agree that their legs are probably starting to show. And you know, maybe they're maybe they're just done. Like maybe with Nani's case, he's just like he's ready to to finish. You know. And they see things go on with, you know, just with the travel and the league and some of the oddities that they have to experience, and maybe they just can't get that motivation up. You know, it's 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 tricky. Like we've got so good players, but just not the right ones at the right place, and they missed a trick. I've said this before. Uh, back in the late summer, when the other transfer window opened, that was the time to bring the players in when they were second in the league, when things were going well. That was the time to bring those guys in, you know, make one or two signings and 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 try and kick on. They didn't do it, and then of course, as the pressure's gotten higher, the players that we have 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 shown, you know, shown the capabilities. That's all I can really say. Now there are some off-season reasons, off the field reasons, I should say, why those transfers didn't happen. Uh, as we know, with the um, Flavio was going through with selling the club, so it's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, RSL kind of went through the same thing of they their owner left and they didn't buy any players they, they yeah. because they didn't have an owner. <laughs> it just you can't really do much without an owner. Um, so th- that was there. Um, we also, I think, missed a trick at the offseason um, with not moving Mueller on. You know, maybe we mm-hmm. didn't get the offer. Like, maybe we didn't get a fair offer. But going into the last year of his contract, 
and he was at the the peak of his price point as we talked about even if someone comes in with a 750,000 I feel like you maybe you take that and it feels underwhelming but now we're losing him for free he clearly has had quotes in the media saying that he's ha- struggled mentally with you know mo- motivational part of his game or just being up for games you know he didn't say that exactly but this move and and whatever's happened between him and the front office and and the team has really affected his play and here he is being a nailed on starter and really not contributing much to the offense my main thoughts on our attack is that our coach puts the best players out there with the best Mm -hmm roles and the best um tactics to succeed but then the players have to succeed and i i am of the opinion that like some of these guys aren't in the best roles for them but a lot of it is these guys aren't going out there and taking advantage of it you know we we're not taking the the tactics and and succeeding with it the tactics are and maybe you can say it's a flaw in the tactics but the ta- one of our main things is Juan getting in behind and putting balls in the box that are dangerous and is it smart enough on Pereja's part to to pin his hopes on Juan who has shown time and time again he can't put in a a qual- consistent quality cross in really dangerous positions is that a smart thing to do from Oscar Preja? Maybe it is because then teams have to adapt to it. But clearly teams have adapted to it. You know? Um, and then DK's been okay. I agree with what you're saying, Adam, about DK. And he's probably been the, the, the best of the bunch up there. But he hasn't been rock star amazing either. He's been scoring goals for us. Um, but again, maybe that's down to service. And he can't do everything on his own. But... No one's making runs off of him. Nani is not running off of him at all. Nani is give me the ball to feet kind of player. And Mueller isn't really a in-behind player either. And you need people running off of a striker like him. You need a Benji and, you know, even Vanderwater tries to run in behind from time to time. Not a lot, but a little bit. He's more kind of Nani-esque as well. And we're just not utilizing him. I think that's why Benji Michelle has looked so good for us this season. Oh, Benji Michelle for me would be starting games right now. That's, you know, he's not amazing, but just the fact that he runs off of DK poses a problem for defenses. And the Columbus game really showed that. I mean, we could not do anything in that game until Robin Janssen is the one who runs beyond the attack mm-hmm. and Tesho Akindele is the one who lifts the ball in for him and he puts it in the back of the net. It's And it's kind of sad to see it happen from your center back in the 92nd minute to be like the first time that we're having any quality off-ball movement. Uh, and it's just been game after game of just really poor attacking and through buildup and it makes me wonder why we haven't gone to a more transition style attack where we press and we win the ball back and try and score that way because the press is the best playmaker in the world right now you take the ball off a player and you have three players to attack i mean look at the nashville goal the nani gives the ball away then it's 3v2 on the right side the ball goes to mukhtar he puts it in the bottom corner that's just a transition high press style that gets you the goals and that's why they have what three or four losses this season they have a mm-hmm. ton of draws but and that's because they're a little bit more defensive but that's where i stand with our attack um and i'll get off my my uh 
high horse and let you guys give your thoughts on on those thoughts. I think that uh, another problem that we're having related to that, uh, so we need uh, more off-ball movement. We also need just more ball movement in the final third. So, like, you have... So our ideal 11, the back line doesn't matter for the sake of this conversation, but then you have Urso and Mendez in midfield, right? And then Pereira at the 10. And when the ball is pinging around between those three, it's moving pretty quickly. And it looks pretty good when it does so, especially Sebos. When the ball gets to Sebos, he has his next pass in mind. Pereira and Urso are a little slower, but you know they've earned the right to take a touch or two, <laughs> um, I would say. But they're still looking to cycle that ball. That ball cycles back and forth and back and forth pretty quickly, looking for that opening to get into the final third. It gets in the final third, and once it go, it goes to Nani's feet, and then it stops. And then Nani dribbles a bit, and then he might give it to the fullback, and he gets it back, and he dribbles around, and he'll find Urso back in the midfield again. And Urso will move, and he'll get the ball cycled, and he'll cycle again and get back to Nani, and Nani will dribble, and he'll take a long shot or put a cross in. And what part of that is going to result in a lot of goals? It's not a lot. Not, no. <laughs> and Dang. so when you have when you have the midfield built for ball movement, and when you have a striker who is is built who has a lot of gravity to him, who you can make runs off of, wouldn't you want that ball moving as quickly as possible? It yes. makes sense, right? Yes, yeah. we are too slow. And, You're right. Yeah, they completely lack tempo. You know, it's like sometimes. It's, and, it's, and that's, a, that's a style of play we've played before. In MLS's back, even Nani was moving the ball more quickly. He wasn't sitting with it at his feet. We were moving. We we're tiki talking around. I don't understand why we ever went away from that, considering we still have the players for it. Urso, Mendez, and Pereira, and Nani. Nani can execute that. Manuel Moss and Moutinho, whoever's on the left side, can execute that. Even Mueller can also execute it. Vanderwater can execute it. Pateau can execute it. DK is the perfect center forward to play it around. I don't understand why we're not playing. Fuck a transition game. Try to be Barcelona. And if you try that and you fail, I'll, I will applaud you for trying. And I will say you gave it your best effort. Because that is how we have to win MLS Cup. That's the only way we're going to win. We're going to stack up to these other teams is we're going to possess the ball. We're going to move it quickly and we'll look good while doing so. Now, if we lose the ball and give up three goals, fine. I don't want to win. I don't want to lose like three nil or three one though. And we don't have, we don't look dangerous the entire game. It's almost what happened against Columbus. If we didn't score that second goal. I mean, do you think part of it, Daniel might be, you know, right after MLS is back tournament, we obviously lost the final, but we also lost to, in Miami, uh, first game of the the, the um, return to play, trying to play that style. Do you think maybe after the two losses, Oscar kind of thought, mm, maybe this isn't perfect, maybe this isn't right? Yeah, that's a good point. He, um, I've often commented that they lack a distinct style. Like most good teams, you can always identify kind of what they're going to do, even if, even if it is in Nashville and they kind of... Well, I'd argue we have a very distinct style. Play Juan around the right side, get the ball to Nani, 
and then mm-hmm. let Nani and Pereira try and run the show and attack. But we we have similar tactics every single game that rely mm-hmm. on Nani doing something magical, very individual play, mm-hmm. and then getting down the right side and, and build up. Yeah, we, we build up we, down the right all the time. We rely on on a player that you know who is of immense quality and has been in his career, being usually double marked, which is what teams do to Nani. They they double mark him. And then if that doesn't work for them, then we we're giving the ball to a right wing back who, you know, who gets nosebleeds when he gets into the final third. So it's a flawed strategy. It's a strategy. It's distinctive, but not it's for the right flawed. reasons. And just like when we, you know, we had Dom Dwyer at the club, and the the plan was always to get it into Dwyer. Dwyer, Mister, you know, is five foot seven and would be bullied out of games by by defenders. You know, it would be anonymous, but the teams or the coaches would would have to play into him and have to use him in that way. And it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's like an MLS thing that, you know, that teams play to like a very specific routine. It's almost like, uh, you know, NFL, like, you know what I mean? Like where you have these just set players that you're constantly going to keep trying to do. But a good team, an inherently good team is going to have three or four ways to, to beat you. And I don't think Orlando has that. Maybe they have one or two. I think plan B for Orlando is to go a little more direct. And like you said, have Benji play off DK and 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 try and get in between the lines and, and, and pull the defenders out. And we look better when we do that. But after that, what else do we have? And that, that just comes back down to my earlier point, which is we don't have enough quality in the team to, to really change it. And as much as... I can say Oscar's maybe been lacking in the last fifteen games. I do think he needs a he needs a few players before we can really say, yeah, you know what, he is or he isn't the right guy for the club, you know. Well, what we do know is the attack it will be changing drastically. I mean, if you look at the front four, DK, is he gonna be here another year? We don't mm-hmm. know. He he very well could, but I doubt it. Highly doubt it. I think he's going to go in January to a club who's either fighting relegation or looking to get promoted out of the championship. I think he moves. I think he'll Nani? go to West Brom. That's where he'll probably go. That's That seems to be the the noisiest rumor, you know. Uh, he has the coach mm-hmm. from Bansley there that he gets on with, and West Brom are doing pretty well at the moment. You know, they're very, you know, very dominant. They're a, they're a good team, you know, and, and I think they fit his style, but it, it would be... Very foolish of for Orlando unless unless they can pay him and get him to sign an extension. You're going to have to give him a, a DP contract, you would think, mm-hmm. to keep him to just to get him to say, okay, look, I'm I'm going to go eventually, but I'll I'll sign this deal, and that way you can get a fee, you know? Yeah. And and yeah. you pay me, and I'll play. I'll give you my best while I'm here, but you've got to pay me like it. I mean, he's making a is it 150 thousand a year. You know, it's it's pocket money compared to what he can go and make if he leaves. Mm-hmm. So he could be making that in a month. Well, yeah, it's like so you, you've just got this um, conundrum. Like if they if they can't agree that they they, they really have to sell him. They've no choice, you know, and and it's not going to be for twenty million. I can tell you that. No way. Um, there's Nani whose contract's up, and I don't see him staying. Then there's Pereira. He might be someone that we just extend just because of all the turnover we're about to have. We're losing Mueller as well up there. 
Um, that is three, possibly four. I mean, do you rebuild your front starting front four from scratch very often? You do not. So it's going to be interesting to see what route we go in the off season. Um, I do wonder, I, I think we might try and get Pereira to stay just so we, we have some sort of stability in that, in that front four positions. Yeah, I mean, it's going to cost some money. You know, it's uh, it's it's not ideal. It's you know, it's kind of a unless unless they feel like Van der Waer and um, you know, and play, players like that are going to come good because I, I don't think you know, like Kakindeli and um, Pato. I mean, there's doubts over their suitability as suitability as well as starting players. So I mean, you really are down to bare bones. It's just going to be Van der Waer. He'll be the only man left in the building. You know. I think is I Benji's contract Benji up? Benji will go. Oh, Benji as well. I'm Benji's sorry. Yeah, my my bad. Yeah, I forgot about Benji. Um, no, Benji as well. But you know, it's a it's a big ask of Benji to you know to to put him in as a starting lineup. I mean, you're gonna have to play a very specific way to involve him and and Vanderwater will be. Yeah, you know, if he can't get a start after all these players leave, then I'm not sure what he's gonna be doing. Mm. So we also have Alvarado. <laughs> I don't think you'll see Alvarado. Um, I legitimately yeah. forgot about him until you said his name. International slot wasted on him. Absolutely yeah. wasted. So and I here's as well. the thing. Let's for a second assume that Pereira leaves too. You know, and and the only only players worth caring about left in the attacking. Let's say, let's say we retain Patel, um, who's dirt cheap, like. Mm-hmm. On a two-year contract, we don't even need to resign him. We just need to keep him. Um, so let's say we retain Pateau, Benji, Vanderwater, Pencil, and Vanderwater at that right wing spot. Um, don't count on Pateau for anything, and keep Benji as a super sub. You know, if Pateau gives us something, it's gravy. What we do have going for us is effectively five DP spots open because we are not currently using any young money spots, I believe, and I believe. If you do two veteran DPs and one young DP, you you get two more young money slots. Yep, I think that's how that works. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, what we need to do is get like Sebastian Giovinco types, like twenty-seven to thirty-year-olds in their prime, kind of Europe washouts, but like from good European teams that can come in and dominate on less, pay them three to five million. Uh, be like, hey, you sucked in Europe, but you can come and be the star on the team here. You can compete for MVP, um, a Joseph Martinez type. You know, we need two of those. And then we need three young South Americans. And assuming we can you keep put the midfield. All in attack? Pretty much. Maybe get one midfielder. But yeah. I, don't, I don't see any problem we with We need someone to rotate defense. with or so more. We can't rely on yeah. him that heavily. Yeah, I, I'm also kind of hoping here that Perea takes the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't mind if one of them is a midfielder. Um, but then, you, so you have, say, let's say one of the young money guys is is a D mid. So you have Sebas, uh, a young money guy, and Urso and midfield, and then you have a DP Cam and a DP Nebulous attacker, be it striker or winger, and then you have two more young money guys, uh, a, a young DP and another young money guy in attack. And you kind of leave the the back end the same. I think that can be a competitive team. Yes, but you also have to factor in chemistry 
it will take time to to gel in together. But as long as they are doable until the end of the season, then exactly we could very well be in for a reset. If we as had well as any sort of chemistry team. right now, I would worry about that. But we're not exactly breaking apart a lot of chemistry in this process. This is true. Also, um, the only guy that we really have a hope of retaining is Pereira, and I think that is extremely unlikely. Anyway, so yeah. With the way he's been um, playing, and, um, exactly. I think I he's might probably even ready to go DK, to I might even uh, write DK is more likely than prayer to say. Yeah. All right. So we're about forty yeah. minutes in here, and we haven't even talked about the Nashville game yet. So Daniel, I'll get let you have a crack at that game um, before talking about the incident, and then Adam, you'll be up next to talk about that. So, what are your thoughts on the the Nashville performance? Um. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, same old story. Uh, very good first half, very comfortable, and then second half they just um, they switch off. It's like uh, you know, by the time that the second half starts, it's like they just got settled in for the halftime break, and you know it's a conundrum for for Oscar to solve. I don't know whether he maybe he runs his team too hard in the first half, and you know they just come out in the second and they struggle to get back into that tempo I, i'm not really sure what it is but you know nashville are, you know there's a good side you can't base a team's quality just off simply stats which we've seen people try and do nashville you know typically in most games will probably have less of the ball but you know they're very they're like a snake i mean you turn your back on them or you just let them let them um, sneak in and then they'll bite you they'll get you and they were very clinical, the goal that they did get. And they put pressure on in the right situations and they knew how to defend. Um, they looked a very good, well-drilled side, to be honest with you. Well, they are. They are. They're, a good coach. They are. He's, and, a, he's a very good coach. And, and they've and, been statistically a great second-half team this year. Yeah. And that's kind of what they do. That's what they do. And fair play to them. I mean, they remind me a little bit of, um, of Sam Allardyce's like, old Bolton team, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. They would just sit tight. They would they would bunk any and Allardyce did this to, to really good teams, by the way. It wasn't just Bolton hitting some good results. I mean he he beat some good seed, good sides with, with his strategies. And you know, Gary Smith's doing the same, like it's he's fine to let a team have sixty percent of the ball if it means that, you know, in the last half hour of games he's gonna go off and get get some quality, you know, get some quality from his uh, attack. So Again, it, it was a lack of creativity by Orlando, and then obviously the the incident, which you know is going to be discussed. You know, um, I mean that's neither here nor there for me. But you know, Orlando didn't ask enough questions in in the game to to force the issue. Just like in other games, they have not done they've not done that either. They've not been as protagonistic as we've needed it. You know. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Adam? So up until the 92nd minute, if you asked me before the game how I thought the game would go, and I just had to... You know those memes where it's like, I uh, I made a robot watch 82 hours of Batman <laughs> cartoons yeah. in it, and it wrote a script? That's basically what happened. So Daryl mm-hmm. DK scored a nice goal because he got service, and mm-hmm. you know, when he gets service, he scores nice goals. It was a nice um, goal. Yeah, it was, it was a nice goal. 
So he scores a nice goal, does that early. You know, we look kind of good in the first half. We're thinking, okay, well, this game can go good. We look kind of dangerous towards the end of the first half. We're like, can we get a second? We don't. Yeah, heard, heard that one before. So we go in, in, in halftime 1-0, and we're like, you know, we've been playing pretty well. Could be up 2-0. Would like to be up 2-0. Only up one, but, you know, this game's going well. And then we kind of switch off in the first 10, 15 minutes of the of the second half. Nashville, a very good second half team, makes oh consistently good halftime adjustments, comes out looking much more energetic. They get a goal on the counter. Ooh, it's 1-1. Now we got to play. So now we get a little more energy. <clears throat> Around the 70th minute is when we really, really start um, start going for like, okay, we got to win. This is a must win here. Winning in the playoffs. You know, we got to go for it. So we start going. And then we make some subs, you know, defensible but could be questionable. I feel like that is literally every sub ever made in, in the eyes of a fan, but um, yeah. <laughs> happens. And then it, it's exciting. We're making some chances. We're also like giving up some chances on the back end, but nothing's coming to fruition yet. And then we make the triple substitution at what, 89, 90, something like that. Yeah, and right. Then really all right hell breaks loose. Yeah. Because this, this, say what you want about Orlando City. It is sometimes odd, and we might draw and lose a bunch in, in stretches, but it is almost never normal or boring. <laughs> yeah. So it's always exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you asked me to tell you what was going to happen in the game before the game or just in any Orlando City game, that might be it. <laughs> yeah. That's been and our of course the, this season. And of course, the end result is a 1-1 draw. <laughs> there you go yeah um the one thing i wanted to highlight uh is i really liked how for our goal we did something that we don't usually do and that is create waves of attack and i talk about this a lot but uh it came off of our corner and then they clear the ball and we get the the second ball we start another attack we put it in they clear the ball but we get it again we put it in we get the ball, they, they clear it again, and then we we finally get down that right side. Mueller um, finds some space, picks out a really good ball to DK, who slots it home uh, very clinically. Uh, we don't do that a lot at all. Usually when the ball gets cleared, it goes to one of their players, and we, we really don't. I think the, some of the best soccer we've played is when... Uh, we, we I can't remember which game it was, but we were chasing a game, and we put Dazar in, and we just had him play as the, the cleanup crew, basically. And he was the one who whose only task when we had the ball in attack was to sit back and, and win those clearances and and get those ball recoveries. And we just had just um, waves and waves of attacks because of him. And that's when we look at our best. And Mendez was doing a good job of that, and Urso contributes as well. And that's what led to the goal. We don't we, we don't do that enough. We do not do that enough. And and that's what that's exactly what um, New England did to us in the two two draw. They just every time we cleared the ball, we couldn't get it out. And then we had like a four or five minute spell of possession. It might not have been that long, where we got on the break and and we kept it for a little bit. Went to the corner, went out for a throw in. Went to the corner, then it went out for a goal kick. And then on that goal kick, they scored. And it's just like. It's just like really frustrating, and but overall they were doing that. Um, they were they did that for the first goal, and we don't do that a lot. So I, I wanted to pinpoint that specifically. 
uh, from the game. Was there anything else, Daniel, Adam, that you wanted to pinpoint before we get started on the the, the end of match dis- discussion? Well, that about sums it up for me. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, I think I agree. I think I think sometimes it's it's best just to sometimes play the game, not overthink it. You know, it takes a very sort of special type of player and, and group of players, like Adam's reference, Manchester City. Um, you know, to be able to think about the game and have all the time in the world to do it and to be able to execute it. And it's very difficult for a team to pull that off. Yeah. All right. Well said. So, Adam, I will let you have a first crack at this. Um, what were your thoughts on the uh, reversal of the given goal uh, by Alan Chapman? Okay, so I think we need to examine who Alan Chapman is here. Alan Chapman is a consistently poor referee who makes consistently poor decisions and consistently does not know the rules of operation of the league and the sport that he referees. Alan Chapman was the referee for the uh, the Schlegel Hand of God Rigo penalty shootout in which he did not know the rules of what happens when a goalkeeper gets a red card and a penalty shootout. Now, I didn't know the rules. I don't know that many of the fans knew the rules, but you know who should know the rules? The referee. (laughs) The guy enforcing the rules. He should know the rules, right? Am I wrong here? The guy enforcing the rules. You are not. Should know the referee the rules. should know the rules. <laughs> the referee should know the rules, right? Okay, so what's the rule when it comes to VIR? It's I believe the words are clear and obvious. Now, the fact that we're about to have an argument about this proves me right. Because if a call can be argued one way or another, which, by the way, the it was later revealed that the angle that Orlando City tweeted out, the referee did not have access to. So they were using a suboptimal angle to call a foul on a goal that had already been given. It was not clear and obvious. It wasn't. There's no way that, that it was. It could, A, with, with the optimal angle, it can be argued either way. I would argue it's not a foul. It's two players going for a 50-50 ball. There's going to be contact. Johnson is throwing his body into DK. He's basically hip-checking him before their legs make contact. I would say it's just it's incidental contact on two players going for ball. Don't call a foul either way, is how I would call it. Okay. Now, that being said, because it can be argued, it can be argued honestly three ways. It can be argued DK foul Johnson, it can be argued Johnson foul DK, and it can be argued no foul. Because there is no clear and obvious this is the right decision, you have to stick with the ball, the call on the field. That's the official MLS procedure. The official MLS procedure is if there is not a clear and obvious error, you do not overturn the call on the field. What does he do? Yeah, that, that's the rules. You're right. And he does Alan overturn Chapman the call. Chapman broke the rules. In a high leverage game that effectively cost us a home playoff game. Daniel, where, where do you stand on this? Well... I stand on a lot of. Um, I was angry yesterday with, with with a few things. I mean, uh, some of it will will leave for a little bit. But as far as the decision itself, I mean, any time through the game, 
if there's contact in the penalty area, whether it's on a goalkeeper and particularly on a defender, like if it's an attacker foul and a defender, nine times out of ten, it's a foul. It's always given as a foul. You know, it can happen in the first minute, the tenth minute, the ninetieth minute. Typically, you're going to see it, and you see it a lot. Um, just like you'll see some referees not give it, you'll see plenty that do. And um, having looked at the angles and such, you know, my conclusion was that, you know, there is a foul, and it sucks, but it's a foul by Daryl. And even if it's just a slight nudge, you've still given the referee the opportunity to give that decision. And yeah, maybe we can look at the referee and say, yeah, maybe he should have spent more than 12 seconds looking at it. Maybe he shouldn't have looked at it. But, you know, I can tell you two things. One, again, if it's earlier in the game, then it's a foul. Secondly, if this is the other way around and, and Nashville, you know, are, the, are on the opposite end, I mean, you can guarantee that if that goal would be given in, a, in, a, in the event of a likely foul, Orlando fans would be livid at that decision. So I don't know about that. They would. You know me, I Adam. Wouldn't be. I would Adam, not be. Come on, man. No. You, you know full well that had this role been reversed, but no, the foul not given. Call. It was a bad call. Um, but if that bad call had been given the other way around, or the bad call not given and the goal allowed to stand, and yet one of our defenders is on the floor after an apparent foul, Orlando yeah, fans are happy. You know they are. I. But, I I don't think so. I, I uh, think that the call is so egregious. Or do you think the the wall would have been singing come by air and accepting of it? They wouldn't. No, of course not. But I'm talking about the reaction after the game. You know, if, if a call happens in game, yeah, the ball is going to be wouldn't have been OBT. But after the game, we would have gotten the fuck over it. It wouldn't have been that uh, as the, the other way as around. It was last yeah. night. It, no, but still, there would have been some calls for why wasn't that given? You know, just the yeah, normal. Okay, someone Twitter would have calls. complained on Twitter and whatever. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't have. It would. They would not have been nearly as mad as we were because because it was the obviously wrong call. Yeah, but they would have wanted the enforcement of the rule had it been the other way around, and yet the rule was enforced in this situation. No, and the rule wasn't enforced. Well, the role from the referee's point of view was enforced, and his ruling was that it was a foul. But Alan Chapman broke the rules. Again, it's subjective. No, it's it's actually not. the The MLS official VAR procedure uses the words "clear and obvious." It is not a clear and obvious foul, and so the call in the field should not be overturned. I think I think what Daniel's saying is that you're saying it's not clear and obvious, and Alan Chapman could subjectively say it is clear and obvious. Yes, that's so. Exactly. Alan Chapman's wrong because it's not because if if okay, correct me on the English language, right? But if if a if a point can be argued two or three different ways, then it's not clear and obvious. If it can be argued with evidence, supportive evidence, and logical decision making, and and follow through that it could be argued a couple different ways, it's not clear and obvious. Yeah, so you're not wrong there, Adam. And and here, I, I will give my take on it uh, because I was the most voiceful person in agreement with the call um, from what I saw. And this is with the information I had last night. My overall feeling is I lean more towards Adam's argument that with the angle that Alan Chapman had, 
mm-hmm. it was not clear and obvious. No. It was not clear and obvious, and he probably should have um, left the goal on the table. We should have won the game because of the angle that he saw. No, and I that agree with that. That being said, yeah, yeah, I know you do. That being said, with the angle Orlando City put out, I think that angle clearly and obviously shows that it was a foul, and while it was done using the wrong procedure, they ended up getting the call right. Now, maybe what happened is the assistant referee said, hey, I saw a kick. Go have a look at it. Maybe the video assistant referee wasn't the one. You know, maybe they they all talk. They all talk. Maybe it wasn't the VAR who said, I saw the kick. Maybe it's the AR who saw it in real time said, hey, it looks like DK kind of swept his leg away and Johnston wasn't able to get the ball. Because the reason I see the foul is in the slow-mo viewpoint, DK kicks Johnston's foot away. And you can argue that Johnston's falling on him or Johnston's going for DK and not the ball. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Johnston's intentions are. What matters is that DK is kicking Johnston as his leg is moving towards the ball. And that I, kick I results that in the ball bouncing. That DK um, is trying to shoot the ball. It, 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 it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, players will look good. Yeah. It's not intentional, obviously. He's not intending to foul him. But that again, that doesn't matter. It's the contact that matters. It does, intention doesn't matter when it comes to contact. But okay, what does matter... For me. What I don't understand of your point, because I think it, it is important, if both players have a right to the ball, right, and they're both going to the ball, one's trying to clear it, one's trying to shoot it, who's to say which is more important? Who's to say Johnson Johnson isn't getting in DK's way and Johnson doesn't foul DK trying to shoot? Here's because where if, here's where it is no, because because if a player sticks a ball out if, if a player back a little farther in the box and some more obvious like more conventional shot if a defender sticks a leg out and gets gets the attacking player as they're shooting the ball and they don't get the ball then that's a penalty. Here's here's why this matters in this scenario. Why this matters is DK's contact negates Johnston from touching the ball. And since Johnston doesn't touch the ball, it falls to Preya and we score. That so one piece of contact, contact negates from... DK from touching the ball. See, it goes both ways. But DK is the one that kicks Johnston. And you Johnston can say that with any his foul body into DK. He, their bodies don't touch until after DK's kicked him. And you see that on the slow-mo. Again, we should have had the goal because it was clear and obvious. So now we're just talking about whether we think it's a foul or not. I personally think it's a foul. I think they got to it the wrong way from the information we have. If it was VAR who said, hey. I swear to I don't think it's a foul. I don't think either one fouled the other. I think that in, <laughs> in a physical contact sport like soccer is, I think that two players can go for the ball. And it not be a foul. <laughs> That's my personal belief. And good for you, Adam, because I'm glad you believe that. Because going by the reactions I've seen and heard, and I've been briefed on it, and a lot of people don't seem to understand that concept. You know, they think. I'll just go as far as saying that a lot of people, you can tell who's never kicked a football, and you can tell that a few of them probably don't know what shape a football is, given the way they interpret how soccer should not have any contact or whatever. I'm glad you get it. And I, I understand your point, Adam. You've actually put it across really well. 
you know, but it's but like anyone who's played the sport knows it's very obvious that both players are going with the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neither player is attempting to foul the other. Certainly. Correct. Yeah. They're just going right. for the ball. And I would use the, it's a, it's an American football term, but I would use the term incidental contact, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is uh, actually a term in American football used to negate a DPI, a defensive pass interference call. Incidental contact is when a, a defensive back and a, and a receiver are kind of like hand fighting and bumping into each other downfield, but they're not interfering with each other. You know, it, it's not a breach of the rules. It's contact because it's a physical sport. And that's, look, that's football rules, and that's a very good um, comparison to this situation, right? To me, that's the same what I'm Right, right. What I'm saying is, one, the um, the only reason I think, and this is I think, that they haven't explained themselves yet, other than just saying there's contact from DK, is that the fact that DK's contact allows the ball to find Perea the reason why they called it back because if dk doesn't kick him then whatever then the the johnston hits it whether johnston hits it into his own net whether johnston you know somehow clears it magically like the fact that the ball did not hit johnston because of dk's kick and like the ball wouldn't have gotten to perea is the reason i think that it's called back and i think that the what you said about the uh the pass interference thing. I, I don't remember the term you used. Um, uh, incidental contact. Incidental contact. Thank you. I, like, yeah, yeah, that's subjective as well. Because some, I feel like some umpires would throw the flag, no? And, and they'll yes, be looked at uh, as yes, soft. Yes, obviously it, it is. It, it is subjective we were, in, football we were, as, in American yes. football as well. A- absolutely it is. We were in the victim opinion, of a very harsh call yes but that it's extremely why it happened it is extremely harsh and it was overturned from a call that easily could have stood and that's the best argument for which that is something that you do not see happen in in the nfl for what it's worth on replays they use the same clear and obvious standard and those over those overturns do not happen like you straight up don't see them yeah so that's what I'm saying. When we can go into this minutia of detail about arguing was it the right call or not, then that that shows that it shouldn't have been overturned and that Alan Chapman and that, that uh, quote uh, about Chapman from Zlatan is circulating today and, and it's perfect. Chapman doesn't understand the game of soccer and thinks that the fans are there to see him apparently. And should be fired 100% over this. Over this, and you don't fire over one incident. It is consistent. He does not know the rules. He does not understand the game. He does not understand what what it means to be an official. What say you, Daniel? Not on that, but just in general. In general, what about Chapman or about? Just, Just the call if you have anything else. I mean, it happens. As, this is the spot, you know. It it is. It happens. There's, there are questionable calls that occur. I mean, you know, um, and there are harsh decisions. But it's life, you know. It's um, actually life is not always fair, and 
as much of as many hypotheticals and little terminologies. Um, what's the word I saw that you were called yesterday? Was it contrarian or something like that? I didn't see that word in my life until they started calling me that. Oh, man. I was That's... gonna I was gonna make a statement on that. As it's we the buzzword. It's the buzzword now. Contrarian. It sounds like a like a really posh brand of like cottage cheese that you can buy in Publix or something. <laughs> but. You know, this is the new thing that you were, you know, we heard now that you're contrarian. Okay, well, fuck contrarian. You know, at the end of the day, life is not fair, and calls will go against you. Calls will go for you. It's, that's the game. That's football. It's a very dynamic sport, in my opinion, the most dynamic sport on the planet. And most you know, and, yeah, and and you know, and at the end of the day, it's done. I mean. If you want to look back at the call as the sole reason why Orlando doesn't get the playoffs, then fine. But you can't overlook the fact that Orlando has won four games out of what, 13, is it? Yeah, one one of those is, what, DC United? Yeah. Uh, where we scored off two corners and we looked terrible, and people exactly. yelled at me for saying that we looked terrible. We beat All Cincinnati right. on the road. Yeah. <laughs> I remember nil. Mr. I remember what's his, I won't name him, but... We know who he is, but yeah, going on about the possession start and everything else, and I'm thinking like, yeah, he had no context there either, but it was a poor performance, and they get two set-piece goals. And again, I've seen I've seen games where Orlando have played well and lost to two set-piece goals. Yeah. And, and you'll hear the, the arguments Here's back the thing, before. though. So. I don't think anyone's saying that Orlando City is like the best team in the league, because we're clearly not. Oh, people do. You should have seen with the stuff at the yeah. beginning of the season. Come I on, mean, man. okay, beginning of the season when we were like tied for first or second place or whatever. That's yeah. different. I'm talking about mm. recent stretch of games like in the past month or two. Okay. So no one is claiming this. And, mm-hmm. and obviously Orlando City hasn't been perfect and hasn't done what they needed to do to put away any doubt of playoffs. Mm-hmm. But Orlando City earned playoffs on the field on Sunday. They did. They earned it. They scored that goal. And it was taken away from them mm-hmm. by Chapman and then almost celebrated by league media. So like the league league the MLS Twitter account tweeted like what an ending in Orlando. Almost well, league media agreed with everybody. Doyle, then, Bear, but, but Ballman. But then but then they used it for their little like under like inside review segment, whatever that they they do every week over over these controversial calls, and they they make more content and money off of it. The league doesn't take these officiating blunders seriously, which is the real problem. The problem mm-hmm. isn't that Orlando City got screwed. The problem and there's that that uh, the debacle in, in um uh, on Kansas City too that Kansas City. Kansas City's players oh, consistently have violent conduct and that, mm-hmm. that do, they do not get adequately punished for. No, that's a good point. That tackle was horrendous as well. Like The, the league has an officiating issue. M- the league has a, an issue of consistently applying discipline and mm-hmm. consistently enforcing their rules. It's another Orlando City example, but this is um, we're coming up on the anniversary of that game where Oscar Pereja's uh, FC Dallas made played an illegal player, and then were allowed to keep the points they earned against us, mm-hmm. I despite that. the fact that the rules said they should have forfeited. Mm. <laughs> like, if the league is a fucking joke, I don't. I I'm be honest. I really don't watch MLS outside of Orlando City because I can't be bothered to take it seriously. <laughs> well, the problem. Uh, yeah. 
the problem lies though is that you know you get a lot of people will will continue you know to shit on Europe and to say all kinds of derogatory things about European leagues, and they'll continue to put money in the pocket of MLS. So while that dynamic exists, when when do you it, expect change? Because it's not uh, going to change. It has to. It has. It, it's it, not going to. Here's I'm the thing. You. Here's here's what's going to happen though. What's going to happen is you can okay. I think the NFL does this really well in that they live with their officiating blunders, but they don't seem to celebrate them. They do a good job of damage control with them. And, and I think that's what's going to happen is they're going to have to, they're going to have to get better officials, pay their officials better, in a, have better training and standards and all that. They're going to have to have better officials. Alan Chapman, Ted Uncle, those guys can't be refs. Sorry, they can't. Um, but what's going to happen is MLS is going to keep getting bigger and there's going to be more and more uh, eyes looking their way. And some of those eyes are going to have deeper pocketbooks than they've experienced in the past. And what's going to happen when those guys are saying, okay, I might, I might write you a check. I might, you know, sign a TV contract with you. What if NBC comes, comes along and say, Hey, you, you run through the summer while, while, while NFL is off. Maybe I want some MLS games on NBC, but we have to have a certain standard of the product here in order to show you on national tablet television and primetime slot that we, we would generally reserve for the premier league or, or NFL. Right. Well, here's so, the thing and, though, Adam, that that call generated clicks. Orlando city Twitter was in mayhem. I was not expecting that massive of a reaction. Like I was expecting a big angry reaction. No. I was on Lions Den Twitter space till 2 a.m. And there was maybe 15, 20 people listening at 2 a.m. Here's the thing. Immediately, yes, those things drive engagement. Over the long run, those things kill leagues. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Those things drive away viewers over the long run. It's shit like that that will continue to make me not watch other MLS games. I will watch every Orlando City game because, god damn it, I love this team. And and I (laughs) hate And I hate that I do. I hate that they're part of MLS. I hate that I love an MLS team. But I do. So I'll continue to watch that team. But I'm not going to watch, although there are a a great many, say, like the LA Classico, uh, Sounders in Portland. You know, like there are a bunch of great matchups in MLS that are very exciting that I cannot be bothered to watch. I don't care about them. Like those New York derbies with just two thousand people in the stands. Yeah, like it's a joke. Yeah, and, and and I will watch sports that my team is not playing are not playing in. I will watch sports that I don't have a vested rooting interest in. If I determine that it, you know it's it's proper entertainment, it's a fair game, it's a fair contest, it's, it's sufficiently removed from any not necessarily tampering, but just like general fuckery. By by the league, like, there's. I, I talk I talk to one of my friends who's a uh, who has an MBA in sports management, and I'll tell him like the just news stories that come up about MLS, and he'll be like, MLS is the most ridiculous sports league I've ever heard of. <laughs> like, yeah. we get more consistently wacky shit than any other. Like, maybe all the other ma- major American sports leagues combined. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, you're not wrong there. And look, uh, a lot of you guys, you listeners, know I'm very involved in MLS Now podcast. I, I am 
co-owner of MLS Now podcast, basically. Uh, David's second in command. He's the one who started it, basically. And I, I love this league. I love watching it. I love the ins and outs, the storylines. I watch so many games every weekend whenever I can. And out of you're not wrong, the officiating is is awful. And I, I have to look past it a lot of the times. I watched the the last two SKC massive, massive, terrible calls from separate refs. Uh, the, the Amelia incident, definitely a red card. For the most part, definitely a red card. Um and then the, uh, the Amadou Dia slide tackle. I was like, oh, that's a red card. And who knows? Reynoso could be out rest of the season because of that. Uh, awful play from Amadou Dia. And you just kind of have to, I'm not saying you personally, but viewers of the entire league who are able to just turn it on because it's another sports game like anyone does in the NFL, like you were saying, Adam, um, you that you kind of have to ignore that aspect of it and not a lot of people want to do that i actually put out a post on mls now podcast twitter saying the same thing you said i see a lot of fans who are only interested in their specific team so you're only interested in orlando city but you're not interested in watching seattle versus la galaxy who are playing right now right this second i'm watching the game <laughs> Oh, but I don't you don't give care. A shit. Yeah, you don't care. Sasha Question's coming off the bench <laughs> right now. Um, but that's and if it's because of the officiating, like I understand. I understand. I wouldn't ask you to to watch something that you're not gonna you're not gonna like. But that's where MLS needs to pinpoint next. How do they market to folks like you who only care about their one team? How do they do that? I it's going to be interesting to see. You have to make it a better product. Yeah. And that doesn't mean getting better players. I have no problem with the quality of play in MLS as far as the players go. Yeah, I watch Orlando City every week. They're fine. You know, it's an entertaining game. That I had no problem with that whatsoever. Do I, do I like that we're continuing to buy young talent and spending more and more money? Absolutely. Do I think that type of growth is great for the league? Absolutely. What I don't like is that a lot of the storylines seem extremely manufactured rather than kind of writing themselves. Organic, that's a good word. Um, A lot of them seem very manufactured by the league. I see the league offices handprints and fingerprints on so many things. And, you know, they're trying to market the hell out of the L.A. teams and 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 certain te- certain teams get marketed the hell out of and sh- are shown obvious favoritism in enforcement of the rules in uh, in in marketing dollars in you know primetime games and all that and yeah that happens in in other leagues too but not to the extent of MLS um where like i struggle to think of a player on RSL's roster even though they're apparently a decent team uh, Ochoa <laughs> i think Rusnak, uh, yeah, their goalkeeper. I got two. Rusnak's still there. Krylak's their big guy. Hey, who, um, who the fuck is that? Krylak, he's been there for ages. <laughs> he has, he's he's a, got like eight goals in point. or 15 goals, eight assists this season. Good for him. Yeah, he's doing really good. Um, good for him. They've got Aaron Herrera, who's in U.S. Men's National. Like, <laughs> good for him. But like, I know, I know most of NYCFC's roster. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> And those teams are not appreciably better than each other. 
Not really, no, yeah. So, like, it's a fucking joke. In in other sports, if there's a small market, like Milwaukee Bucks is a great example in the NBA. Milwaukee's a pretty small market. But, you know, they have an absolute superstar in, Gian- in Giannis, and he is the face of the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. And they market everything with Giannis. Obviously, they just won a championship. But the, even before the, he, he won a championship, they realized, oh, oh, this Giannis guy is he's pretty good. We should probably Free start promoting him. Yeah, we should give him a cool nickname. We should show his highlights on SportsCenter. We should put his team in primetime games. We should market those games on on our um, on our paid ads. And when was the last time you saw an RSL ad? Completely honestly, and I'm sure they've had matchups worthy of putting ads out for. When was the last time you saw an RSL ad from Major League Soccer? Oh, it's been a while, and they just played a, a cracker of a game and a, a winner, basically out of the playoffs game against San Jose. Lost four and, to three, and those home. things directly affect the pocketbooks of the teams, their, their ability to sell merch, their ability to sell uh, sponsorship rights for big money, their ability to reach deals for things like streaming rights. The, the eyes on the club are the, the thing that drives engagement and dollars for those clubs that allow them to sign more, co- more competitive players, better players, better coaches, get better facilities especially, you know, Arsenal just had an ownership change if we're going to continue with Arsenal. They need some dollars right now. They need income. They need revenue. And they're not getting the help from the league to get it, even though they deserve it because they have a good team. Yep. That's an interesting take, definitely. Um, Daniel, any last words from you? Yeah, that's fair. Daniel? Uh, Well, I don't know, really, the... As far as last words, I'm interested in what your statement was going to be. You know, maybe my last words will follow. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I just. I just want to say this really quickly before we log off. And if you want to say anything after that, Daniel, you can. But mm-hmm. um, I was labeled as that term you brought up, contrarian. Um, someone looking for clickbait. Someone looking to to take the opposing side just for the mere fact of doing it. Um, and I really don't, don't take that lightly. Um, I'm someone who really believes my opinions and will bring up factual points behind my opinions. And I feel like I did that last night. And just because I disagreed with a lot of you on a close call, um, and you can, again, subjectively say whether you think it's close or not i subjectively think it is and you're allowed to have that opinion the opposite way um but i'm not doing it for clicks i'm not doing it so people can see my name in the spotlight um you know it would have been stupid for me to do that if i wanted my name in the spotlight uh case in point i lost 20 followers yesterday 20 followers Mm -hmm. because people disagreed with me you know and it's just like I, I, I'm not doing it for clicks. I'm doing it because I actually believe it. And I, was I a little heated? Yeah, I was, I was a little heated, but I didn't come after anybody. I didn't attack anybody. Didn't call anybody clickbait or anything. Or like, no, no, I'm, I just, I don't take kindly to that. I don't appreciate that. And if you want to stop listening to the podcast because you disagree with something I, I have an opinion on and it's not your opinion then like go ahead leave leave don't listen anymore like i 
I don't do this for the listeners. I do this for the conversations, the 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 community that we've built. And and you know, I've made some good friends. I've met you, Daniel. I've met you, Adam. I've met Chase, uh, Mike, um, Taylor over at OCUK, Dan at the English Lion, um, Charlotte. So many great people, and just like the, the list goes on and on, and just. <laughs> No, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that for clickbait. I, I genuinely believed what I was saying last night. So that 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 was just what I wanted to get off my chest. And I, I really felt that the way people were saying that to me last night was kind of bullshit. So nope. I have an I have an addendum. Um, so, so do I. Someone who borderline violently disagreed with Gavin on that take. <laughs> I wouldn't waste my time arguing with Gavin on these podcasts if I thought he was full of shit. So yes, you sir. Can take him at his word. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Yeah, I would like to add my addendum. And uh, first of all, Adam's addendum was great. I'll take that as a sub addendum. Because, um, yeah, if I didn't believe your opinions were valid, then I wouldn't entertain them. You know, like, I, even if I don't agree, if, if you can explain where you're coming from, I'm interested to hear it. And I'm like that with everybody. Um, I work professionally in a field where you've got to be open-minded. You've got to be, um, you've got to negotiate. You almost always have to meet halfway on everything so that everybody gets what they want, you know. And this is no different. Uh, podcast and, um, you know, podcasting, I should say, and... Uh, you know, all this discourse is going to eventually, you know, come down to, to meeting in the middle and, and understanding each other's viewpoint. In the ideal world, that's what we're all going to come to. But yesterday, um, you know, I, I I got wind of the um, of the content, the things that were being said to Gavin. I I looked it up and I was disgusted with it. It was it was wrong. Uh, some the way some of the people came after you, Gavin, was disgusting. We've had this conversation before. I've been on the end of it myself. In the end, we've got the soccer moms coming after you. We've got the quasi Orlando player stalkers coming after you, calling you desperate. We've got um, a bunch of people that, you know, can't give you any any type of context and just tell you how you suck or give you a name or whatever, but can't really tell you anything else. And I take this opinion, and I've taken this my entire life, that um, you've got to be of a certain level of intelligence You've got to have a certain level of empathy and you've got to have a, a common sense. And if you don't have any of those things, I don't entertain you. That's kind of why I got out of Twitter for a while. Because my timeline was full of bullshit. It's politics, it's sports. You can't look at anything decent without some idiot calling someone else at a name or quote tweeting them and making their day horrible. And what really concerns me, Gav, is that you've got people on there that go after you that are parents to their own kids or that maybe have friends that have some kind of issues, and yet they've got no hesitation at all in going after someone like yourself, and they don't know what they could do to you, what sort of damage you can do to someone online by going after you like that. If I'd have had this conversation last night, if we'd have recorded last night, like I was kind of tempted to ask you, because I was up, I was up, I was busy working and whatever, I, I could have recorded last night. It would have been a war and peace. I would have torn everybody apart last night. I'm a lot calmer today. And I know you are as well. But, you know, if you want to be the change that you want to see in this world, as we've seen somewhere on Twitter before, I suggest you start with yourself. And if you're one of those people that comes after people like Gavin, 
quote tweets him, argues, calls him names, calls him a clown, then do yourself a favour and do us a favour. And that's piss off. Go do it in your own little circles where you all agree and leave us alone. If you don't agree, fine. But shut up and keep it to yourself. And that's my addendum. Well, if you don't agree, uh, yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. If you don't agree, feel free to talk to me about it, but be respectful. Just don't be a moron. You know, if somebody spoke to you, spoke to your wife, spoke to your friend that way, would you like it? If you do, then you're, you're, you're a shit person. If you don't like it, then just extend that a little bit further and think, well, do I really need to say it like this? No, you don't. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Um, we've went really long here. Um, I wish we could record more um, for fun podcasts where we're not talking about bad calls and um, frustrating scenarios mm-hmm. on on the, the Twitters. Um, but I do appreciate you both. I uh, appreciate Chase as well. He hasn't been able to make it on a pod recently. Um, appreciate everybody who listens and supports and is respectful. And you guys know where to find everybody. Daniel's not on Twitter. Um, you can find him in the pub. Adam, Kosher Taco Truck, um, tweeting about Dallas Cowboys and Orlando City. <laughs> and you can find me at Lions Blog One with uh, a lot of takes, clearly. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, My friends, you have a good rest of your night. Good night. Peace. Chance!